You're listening to the Wrestling and More podcast with your host, Rob Goodwin. Subscribe to the YouTube channel, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at WAM Podcast UK to keep updated with all new content. Don't forget to check out the website www.wrestlingandmoreblog.weebly.com and subscribe to us on iTunes using the podcast app. If it's wrestling you want, keep it at Wrestling and More. Hello, 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 and welcome to a brand new episode of the Wrestling and More podcast and a brand new wrestling pay-per-view review. Now, I was at odds and ends, really, about what to pay-per-view to watch next, and ultimately, I ended on what can be seen as quite a strange one. We're going back to 2011 today, and we're looking at Capital Punishment. Now, this happened in a really, really strange time for the WWE. It might seem somewhat strange to some that I've chosen to start with this. You know, with it being such an obscure and, some would argue, really, it's an obsolete pay-per-view. But it took place in a year when the WWE product was itself arguably at its most boring and predictable. You know, it gave birth to the internet sensation Cena wins LOL, which is still being cited somewhat today. Which emphasised how obviously... The fans thought the results and matches had become... It just become so stale and so predictable that people had started tuning out. And it was a massive thing for the WWE. Ratings were going down and uh, clearly they thought this was the way to go. However, looking back at this night in the nation's capital on June 19th, I feel that despite the concept being bizarre and completely untouched ever since, the wrestling itself was... Mm, all right. I think it was let down by just an awful amount of strange finishes. And I'm going to get into the matches shortly, but honestly, some of the matches, they ended in such botched ways. And it's a theme that continues throughout the pay-per-view in so many of the matches. But as for the build-up, it centers more around feuds and actual title defenses, despite the fact that every... You know, that four titles, sorry, were on the line. The pay-per-view itself was built mainly around a feud between R-Truth and John Cena. Yes, R-Truth. The guy who sings. He was a main eventer in 2011, which kind of shows just how shallow the WWE talent pool was in 2011. Now, no no offence to R-Truth at all, but I still find it hard to believe he's main evented a pay-per-view when you consider he's a comedy act now. But anyway, he set his sights on Cena and with him the WWE Championship. After Truth's ability in the ring was questioned by John Morrison, a match was set between the two to determine the third competitor in the main event of that year's Extreme Rules. Which, as you can probably imagine, Morrison won. Our truth was furious, turned heel spectacularly, turning on Morrison before costing him the match at Extreme Rules. He then began claiming there was a conspiracy against him in the upper echelons of the WWE, preventing him from grasping the gold. Uh, Even though it's not exactly a comprehensive list, this is probably my favourite iteration of R-Truth. It's just... I don't know. Looking back on it retrospectively, it's very hard to see him in this way, really. But going back to it, in his crazed rage, he yelled repeatedly about Cena's popularity culminating in a standoff with a young Cena fan, which was actually really funny, uh, threw water in the, uh, the face of the boy's father, 
um, which obviously garnered a lot of a lot of kayfabe poor publicity. Um, however, to like stem that, the Raw General Manager set up a match at Capital Punishment with the title between R Truth and John Cena. However, R Truth needed to apologise. Uh, later on, R Truth did apologise, and you had your main event for Capital Punishment. Another big feud heading into this was between The Miz and Alex Riley. Now, Alex Riley, just a little bit of a side note, really, really good theme tune. I didn't quite realise how good his theme tune was. I really like it. Um, it's like a better Wade Barrett one. Um, but The Miz blamed Riley for the loss of his WWE Championship um, and then just went about publicly shaming him on several different occasions. And then this built up and built up and built up before Riley eventually just snapped and let loose a volley of punches to his former mentor. Thus, a match was arranged for capital punishment. I mean, looking at the build, it, it, didn't, it didn't look like a bad match. You'll look at the matches on the card and think, you know what? It might not be a bad card. And, you know, you'll look at the opening match. Kofi Kingston versus Dolph Ziggler for the United States Championship, which Kofi Kingston was the current champion. I mean, it's a really good match to start off the event. I mean, you're looking at it, you've got Kofi Kingston and Dolph Ziggler. You know, they are both very, very good competitors. Um, on a side note, I am just going to point this out. Vicky Guerrero is and was an absolutely amazing manager. Her irritating outbursts and antics, though, don't get me wrong, sometimes overbearing. Excuse me! Uh, reflected the right amount of heat on her and a charge, whether it be Edge or even Ziggler later on. The only bad part of this match, and again, here we go, and the sole reason that I didn't fully invest in this match um, was the finish. Uh, Ziggler applied a sleeper hold, and what what happened next was just chaos. Confusing chaos. Kofi seems to roll to the ropes, only for Ziggler to push him away using his foot. Now, the commentary team then began explaining that the hold should be broken, whilst the referee, seeing things differently, calls for the bell and gives Ziggler the belt. So, the fans in the crowd obviously were confused, and the fans watching at home were very confused because the commentary team were very confused. Clearly, the referee was very confused, and Kofi Kingston, I don't know if this was supposed to happen, but Kofi Kingston looked confused as hell. So, a really, really bizarre match. This was followed, and I can't understand this, it was like it was one of the main feuds going in, the Miz and Alex Riley. Yeah, it was second on the card. Now I understand about trying to grab people in, but I mean when you look at what followed, this should have been higher up the card. I mean, this rivalry was one of the hottest things going when the pay per view rolled around, and speaking as a fan, the build was excellent. It was well paced, well portrayed by both the involved parties. I mean, when it came to the culmination point of this battle, it was average. I mean, nothing more, nothing less, just okay. Especially when you consider the match before this between Kofi and Ziggler had us ready for some high-quality wrestling. It built the crowd up. I mean, The Miz, as you would expect, delivered the majority of the offense with Riley offering literally nothing otherwise. Until the end, where Riley hits Miz with an impact DDT and pinned him. And that was it. A former world champion, someone whose main evented pay-per-views 
was finished with a DDT. It was a very unsatisfactory end. I mean, yes, the face won, which a lot of fans wanted, but the DDT? Really? I mean, however, there is a def definitely a point to be made for the best moment of the night being Michael Cole being wrenched from his commentary position and flung to the floor by Riley. Though, unfortunately, it doesn't make up for his terrible heel commentary throughout. We then have what can only be described as the most pointless match I've ever seen. There was very little wrestling that actually took place in this match. I mean, before the event, Del Rio had hit the big show with his car, leading to a rivalry between the two, which is absolutely how the judicial system should work. If you hit someone with a car, it should be sorted via a wrestling match. So this led to this match, Alberto Del Rio versus The Big Show. Why this was on after The Miz, Alex Riley, I've got no idea. But during Del Rio's entrance, Big Show runs in and attacks him before throwing him into the ring. Mark Henry then appears, for some reason, which is not clarified by the commentary team, as the world's strongest man picks up the world's largest athlete and world's strongest slams him through the announce table without even taking the top off. After that, Big Show climbs into the ring and after some very slow, very clunky wrestling happens with Del Rio attacking the leg injured by the car, then completely out of left field, the referee has the bell rung as the big show can apparently no longer continue with the match. It's a truly baffling end with no resolution at all, an anti-climax to a poor match. Shame, really. You know what? I take it back. Del Rio versus the big show was an awful match, but it never professed to be anything else. This next match was a championship match. Wade Barrett versus Ezekiel Jackson for the Intercontinental Championship. Make no mistake, this was an awful showcase of wrestling. I know I said in the introduction to this feature that the wrestling during this pay-per-view was... Alright, I guess. This is the epitome of why it was just alright. I would give this match one out of ten if it wasn't for Wade Barrett, who single-handedly carried Jackson. I mean, Jackson was a person who seemingly only knew how to deliver a rudimentary power slam. I mean, he performed one torture act to win the match, and that was, apart from a power slam, his only move. I mean, don't get me wrong, I wasn't invested in the match, but I both didn't care about the core, the post-nexus stable they were both part of, and I could not get behind Ezekiel Jackson, no matter how hard I tried. In this match, he showed he had a little skill in the ring, a little skill on the mic, but he had muscles, which apparently placed him high on Vince McMahon's to push list. Unsurprisingly, his push didn't last long. Terrible, terrible match. Next up, we had a match between Rey Mysterio and CM Punk, and thank God for these two, because in my humble opinion, this was the best match of the night. I mean, you would expect nothing less from these two men, though both former world champions and veterans of the ring. The match itself was high octane, and it was fueled by CM Punk's insane desire to be the best. His taunts towards Mysterio, including a sarcastic wishing of Happy Father's Day before Irish whipping Mysterio into his own raised knee, were excellent, as always. The successive reverse kicks into roll-up pins attempt was a nice touch, along with Punk catching an airborne Mysterio before dropping him headfirst into the barricade. I mean, the spot of the night, however, is the reversed 619 into the GTS for Punk to get the victory. A good, solid match. I mean, the only thing that stopped it from being higher was was the lack of genuine offence by Rey Mysterio. 
I mean, he took very little to CM Punk, merely reversing Punk's move before the latter started his offence again. One, one could argue that this was to make Punk look strong going into his feud with Cena at Money in the Bank in 2011. But, I don't know, Mysterio looks sluggish at various times during this match, even though he did deliver some of his famous high-flying moves. I mean, maybe I'm being slightly too picky, but this was overall a good mid-card pay-per-view match. And on this card, it was a fantastic match. And all I can say is thank God for CM Punk. Um, I mean, next, we're on to match six already. Nothing apart from the previous match caught the eye. Nothing at all. And we're on to the World Heavyweight Championship match between Randy Orton and Christian. I mean, there's two observations before I go into reviewing this match. The video package to prelude the match was excellent. It really told the story of Christian's unfair decline, I'd say, after he'd had the title taken away five days after earning it at Extreme Rules. Second thing, why on earth did Randy Orton, the champion and the face, come out first? I mean, surely Christian, as the challenger and the heel in this storyline, should have been out first. But the WWE does as the WWE does. But this was, again, a good match. Both wrestlers gave their all. The main focus, aside from Christian's pathetically tiny title reign, was the concussion the Viper suffered when Christian hit him with the title belt on an episode of SmackDown. And I put concussion, obviously, in inverted commas. But Orton sold the concussion like an Oscar award-winning actor at times. And Christian did it utmost during the match to target the head, garnering more heel heat on himself. The longer the match went on, the more the crowd were invested in the feud, with audible gasps after Orton kicked out of a spear. The near falls continued before Randy Orton, rather predictably, counted the leap off the top rope from Christian into an RKO, gaining the three count and retaining the belt. However, once again, this match, a good match, don't get me wrong, was sullied by a weird, weird finish. So, Christian's foot is clearly under the ropes. I mean that once again, Christian has been legitimately cheated out of his title. Now, can a person be called a heel if he keeps being cheated? Even whilst arguing with the referee, at the end the commentary team made reference to moaning, whining and crying. This is a little bit harsh. I mean, as anyone watching the pay-per-view can see Christian has a valid point. That's not whining. If you wanted Orton to win, let him pin Christian cleanly. Don't allow further confusion and allow a continuation of a story that's played out well so far. But, I mean, this could go stale if it continues. Just, a, again, a good match. Bizarre finish. Utterly bizarre finish. This, <laughs> match seven, on the card... Between the two championship matches, so this was the semi-main event, Evan Bourne versus Jack Swagger. Talk me through that, WWE. I'm not entirely sure how this match went on after a World Heavyweight Championship match, but I suppose there you are. Not one person in the entire of Washington, never mind the Verizon Arena, cared about this match. The only sound from the crowd was the odd we want rider chance, as obviously this was in the midst of his self-made push, as uh, the WWE made him into a champion. <clears throat> as for the match itself, it was as unremarkable as it was completely pointless. 
nothing really to say apart from the fact that the one spot which ended the match where Bourne reversed the ankle lock into a roll up for the win apart from that a clunky finish a clunky match which finished seven minutes too late and finally finally we get to the main event John Cena the WWE World Champion versus R-Truth again WWE Fair Play produced an excellent video package to prelude this encounter the only problem is I just cannot buy into anything R-Truth said I thought its intensity was excellent but the whole conspiracy angle and the unhinged R-Truth storyline was just boring and flat don't get me wrong the heel act with the water and the John Cena fan is excellent work by Truth but I'm sorry I just cannot invest in it maybe that's just me and maybe that's because I'm looking at it in hindsight, obviously, in 2017, six years on from this actual pay-per-view. Saying that, I also hated John Cena's pathetic, blatant pandering to the fans during r 2s outburst, calling us the best fans in the world. I found that really patronising. Also, I do think R-Truth had a point about Cena being nothing short of a propaganda seller, which at the point, in 2011, he certainly was. As a match, this was okay as the main event to a pay-per-view, no less, terrible. The first two minutes of the match is the two men grappling, then breaking apart to listen to the incessant chants of Let's Go Cena, Cena sucks from the Washington faithful. That aside, the match descends into a spell of our truth offence, with regular Blake's for him to talk to him, just to talk to himself. I mean, it's hard watching. Eventually, Truth builds up enough steam to hit Little Jimmy for a close two count before the action was taken to the outside. After an altercation with a fan that involved R-Truth having water thrown at his face, Cena rolled him back into the ring, hit the attitude adjustment, and pinned Truth to win the title. I mean, not only is it the perfect example of Cena wins lol, but it was the only offence Cena had all match. He had kicked out of literally everything that R-Truth had thrown at him. And for him to then be pinned after one move, it just seems strange to me. If you're pushing them to the main event scene, as they were at the time with R-Truth, and looking at how ineffective the AA is now really as a finishing move, it ju it seems pointless, it seems sad. And that was pretty much the end of R-Truth's main event push. Now, I've spoken about the matches... Without mincing my words too much, the segments between matches during this event were fucking awful. They were cringeworthy. And even if you haven't read the title of the pay-per-view and noticed where it was just taking place, come the end of the night, you'd had it rammed down your throat so much that you just didn't care. From Vicky Guerrero singing Happy Birthday Mr. President to Santino Morella being taken away by members of the presidential detail for attempting to show off his Cobra strike to Booker T and Reggie James, a halfway decent Barack Obama impersonator, taking 20 minutes out of the show to complete a spin -a rooney in the ring. I mean, the crowd was impartial, to say the least. This was WWE at their heads in hands worst, attempting comedy for comedy's sake. It's something that the company are still yet to learn, that the times that they reach comedy perfection are the times when they aren't overthinking. However, being subjected to this for nearly 40 minutes of the show really ate into the wrestling time, 
another match or even an extension of a rushed finish. He's looking at you, half the match card. Could have replaced the time the WWE wasted with pointless segments. I mean, the only redeemable part of this was an interview with CM Punk, in which he alluded to him being the most honest man in the company and that he would have something big planned for everyone to see when he beat Rey Mysterio. I mean, this little comment eventually built into what we know today as his infamous pipe bomb, delivered two weeks later on the Raw, leading up to Money in the Bank. I mean, thank goodness for CM Punk. <sighs> Final thoughts, summarising thoughts. Is it worth watching? No. Quite frankly, no. It's such a shame that this pay-per-view came at a time where the company was viewed as stale with content that many fans labelled as overly family-friendly, and the segments did not help that tagline. The wrestling, when it wasn't stagnated by odd finishes or clogged up with wrestlers who were completely out of their depth, Ezekiel Jackson, was of an alright standard. The CM Punk vs Rey Mysterio bout was a good matchup, with the Randy Orton and Christian encounter adding more to their feud, and the opening between Kingston and Ziggler showed some excellent wrestling skill, as you would expect. I mean, it's a shame, therefore, that the remainder of the matches were subject to boneheaded booking decisions and unnecessarily confusing finishes, as it really does drag the quality of the overall product down. Would I recommend this to you as listeners or watchers? No. No, I wouldn't. And that's really sad. And that brings us to the end of our review of 2011's WWE Capital Punishment. Have you got any ideas for pay-per-views you'd like us to cover? Why not talk to us on social media? Follow us on Twitter at at WAMPodcastUK. Like the Facebook page for more wrestling content, polls and debates. Subscribe to the YouTube channel and to the podcast on iTunes. Don't forget to visit the website at www.wrestlingandmoreblog.weebly.com. Thank you so much for listening and we will talk to you guys soon.